Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. We start a brand new collection of talks today called Faith, Hope, and Love. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which if you don't know, that's a book in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth, which I've actually been to Corinth, which was pretty cool to be able to walk the streets of this city and see where this church was planted and thousands of years later to still feel the special anointing that God has there. And what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm sure you've heard something from this verse before. Because if you've ever been to a wedding, or maybe it was read at your wedding, that's what's called the love chapter, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. It does not envy. Sounds really great. And it is really great. But at the end of that chapter, we come across this amazing statement that I want to read to you. It comes from 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 12, moving to verse 13. It says this, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. You ever stood in front of the mirror and been like, Oh, what's happening? Age is coming across my face. Where did that come from? That's a new gray hair. That's a new wrinkle. The other day, Adrian was like, come. Adrian called me from the bathroom. She was like, come look. I was like, what? She's like, look, a gray hair. I'm like, yeah, we got two kids now. Get ready. We planted a church. Get ready. There's more coming. I'm excited about it. For myself, not for her. I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, here's what this verse continues to say, though, as we begin to see things and things maybe surprise us in our life. It says, all that I know now And this is freedom for us this morning. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Can I just tell you, you don't have to have all the answers today. You can feel like you know things partially or you're a little incomplete, and that's okay today. That's why we're here in church, so that God can fill in the gaps. And God can free us and forgive us and really bring us into the life that only he can give us. But what does it say? But then I will know everything completely. Paul here is talking about when we are in heaven for eternity. We get to experience Jesus every day where we get to experience the power of God every day and be together in life-giving community, free free and forgiven and restored. Just as God now knows me completely, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so each week over these, this collection of talks, we're going to break down each of these things, faith, hope, and love, because any time the Bible tells me that three things, these things will last forever, I want to lean in. I want to open my heart and mind to what God is saying through those things. And they are faith, hope, and love. Because I believe, here's what our relationship with God really does in our life, is we have milestone moments in our relationship with God and also in our life. Maybe it is those gray hair moments. Maybe it is a celebration. Maybe it is when we got married or when we chose to have kids or when we surrendered and gave our life to Jesus. We have these milestone moments moments that change the directory of everything. What I'm learning now as I approach 35 next month, woo! I know, I know. And as we have two kids now, and I cannot believe our second child just celebrated his six-month-old anniversary birthday day, half birthday yesterday or a couple days ago, I cannot believe how fast time travels. Like time goes by like that. 
And it's so important to slow down and remember these moments. And I got to have one of these moments with our oldest son, Shepard, who is turning five in just a few days here. And let me show you the, the beginning of the milestone moment in this picture right here. So this is Shepard. He's super cute. He loves you. He loves our church. He's having a great time with our kids team over there right now. But we realize that he's about to turn five, so the mom haircuts weren't going to cut it anymore. How many of you guys had your mom cut your hair for a little I did, right? Like it was bowl cut, little wispy curls. It was really cute. But by the time you approach five, it's like, okay, we got to get a professional to do this. Because my wife's very talented, but at some point I was like, all right, we got to get some help here to, to show up in, in this guy's hair situation style right now, right? As you can tell, he's cute, but it's like, do his parents care about him? Do they know what his hair looks like? And we were like, okay, we got to get him cleaned up. But here's the thing, though. I prepped him leading up to his very first haircut, this big milestone moment. Picked him up from school, and I'm like, Shepard, we're doing something very special today. He said, what? Usually he thinks it's ice cream or a treat or something. I said, we're getting a haircut. Now, I was nervous that he was going to freak in that moment. Like, no! Like, because as a kid, they have like some emotional attachment to their hair. They think like when they cut it, it's dying and it's going away, which I guess is true. But he, he was very excited. He was like, I can't wait. And I was like, show me how you sit up straight and tall. And he was like, and he sat up. It was perfectly still. And he walked in and everyone was like, hey, Shepard, what's up? Because it's where I go to get my hair cut. And he walks in, gets the little robe thing on and gets ready to go. And the, the haircut lady begins to cut his hair. And he's so excited. He's like, Wow, I'm like, Shepard, stay still. You don't want her to, to, to miss, and you're going to be a bald shepherd in a second here. We want you got to sit very still, right? So he's sitting there, and she's cutting it, and she's trimming it. He likes the sound of the little trimmers. He's going, mm, like, along with the trimmer. It's very cute. But halfway through, he starts going like, ah, daddy. I'm like, what's wrong, buddy? He says, it's really itchy. And I'm like, I know, but it's just, it's just part of the game. You got to get through it, okay? And power through. He's like, okay, okay. And he powered through. And then after she cuts his hair, he gets like the full spa treatment, right? Gets the lean back in the faucet, gets the hot towel on his face, gets the scalp massage. Man, it was the cutest little thing. At one point, he was like, Daddy, can we take the towel off? It's dark, and I'm scared. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, Jeffrey, no problem at all. And then we walked out of the haircut place looking like this, oh, so fresh and so clean. Oh, yeah, got the lollipop. We can give it up because he does look good right there. Very nice teeth are looking pretty good. Hopefully not too much orthodontra bills in our future, but we're praying, we're believing. But he looked great. He walked out of that room different. And every single day, even today, it's his first time back at church. Everyone's like, beautiful haircut, Shepard. It looks so great. Now, why do I tell you this story? Number one, because I love talking about my kids, and you should too. And they're a part of our family. They're a part of the church. But number two is because when you step into a milestone moment, when you walk out, things should look completely different, and people should notice it. And I believe when you experience these things like faith, hope, and love, and you walk out of this room or you walk out of your personal prayer time, things can look completely different. And people can look at you and say, hey, what happened? Something's different. And way more powerful than saying, oh, I got my hair cut. You can say, man, my life is being changed by Jesus. My life is being changed by my faith and hope and love that I've placed in the only person that will never let me down. And that is Jesus, the hope that has a name. And as we talk about this idea today, if you want to get your notes out, the title of today's message is Keep the Faith. And faith may sound like a religious word to you, but I believe it's listed first in these things will last forever because it is the influential thing that dictates everything after that. 
Because faith is not simply just believing strong enough. Faith is realizing that I cannot do this on my own and I need something bigger than myself. I need a person who is stronger than I am, more capable than I am, who is bigger than my situations and problems that I can turn to when life seems overwhelming. What did we sing today? God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Because my faith is not in my own ability. My faith is not in myself. My faith is in Jesus who is bigger than anything that could possibly come across my path. So no matter what comes my way, I got to keep the faith. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, you got to keep the faith. Keep it. Don't lose it. Don't keep it secret either. You got to let it pervade in your life and be so obvious. Because I believe as in our life, in our faith, we can get into this place where we're like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus but it's not changing anything. There's a phrase called the Christian atheist where you believe everything about God, but it doesn't change anything about the way you live. And here's what I want you to know today. This is not a big like, hey, get your life right. It is a, hey, realize what your life is today. And here's where we're going if you wanna write this down. It's that every follower of Jesus needs to have faith for God to do the impossible. We're gonna talk about that today and how I think maybe we've responded as the church or as followers of Jesus to things that we had no business being afraid of, that we had no business giving into because I gotta tell you, as I'm approaching 35 years of life, I don't know it all, but I do know one thing, that I have faith in a God who can and will do the impossible. And maybe you've seen it in your life. I'm praying you will see it in your life and you'll continue to see it in your life. And we're going to step into the story of two people that happened in one instance with Jesus in Mark chapter 5. And let me just tell you the Jesus' response to these people and their decisions to keep the faith. In Mark chapter 5, verse 34, here's what Jesus says to this woman who is broken down and wanting to give up. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I pray that maybe even that verse today as we intro our conversation would speak to you. Maybe you feel like you're suffering in life. If you feel like you're suffering in your relationships, in your health, in your faith, in your emotions, whatever it may be, I want you to know today, the little bit, even if it's a little bit of faith that you have, if you would just resolve to have a little bit of faith today, your faith will heal you and make you well because that's what Jesus wants to do. And you can leave this place in peace. The second thing is, it, is we see a story of a man, a, a father, who approaches Jesus in great turmo turmoil and brokenness and fear and in verse 36 of Mark chapter 5, Jesus overhears this conversation. He says to this guy named Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Can I encourage you today for the next 20 minutes that I talk with you because we're going to do something special at the end of the message? Would you just let go of any fear? Let go of any comfort? Let go of any complacency? Let go of any appearances or performance? Will you just lean into faith today? And faith is realizing, yeah, it's not about me. It's not about me trying to perform. It's about me walking into this place empty, broken, messed up, and knowing that when we come together, we're made whole in the presence of God and in the person of Jesus. And here's my goal for you today as we pray. It's that you would take that first step, whatever it may be, just like Emmy said earlier. What does God need to be to you today? That's your first step, that you would take that first step today and see where it leads. That you would take that first step today and see where it leads, because I believe God has some beautiful things for you this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray? God, we're so thankful that we do not have faith in some sort of religious system or ancient pastime. God, we have faith in a person, and that is you, our Heavenly Father, and our Savior, Jesus. 
And God, today I pray that you would speak to all of us as we listen and lean in. God, we give you our very best. We trust you today. And I pray that you would make it so clear in all of our individual hearts today what that first step is. We let go and we let you move in our lives this morning. God, I pray that you would be with us and be with all of our incredible kids team leaders as they teach our kids about Jesus and about faith, hope, and love today. We love you, Lord. We give you this conversation. We trust you. We thank you. And God, we're excited to be in your house today. In Jesus' name, we all say once again, come on, give me a good amen if you're ready for what God's going to speak to you today. Remember how I shared with you that I've seen in our lives where we've stopped believing that God can do the impossible. It's one of the things I love about having kids. It reminds me of my heart and my mind when I was a kid. When you were a kid, impossible was nothing. You were like, oh yeah, I can do that. This is possible. Like you would get so enthralled in the movies that you watch. You were like, yeah, of course the toys can talk and they play games and stuff when I leave the room. Doesn't? Of course, that's not impossible for anything to happen. Of course these fish can talk, right? And this father can find his son halfway across the Australian ocean area, right? Of course, you just get so excited when you're a kid. You get so excited to lean into those things. You get so excited for these experiences. Like Shepard is learning about dinosaurs in his class right now, and we're going to take him to a place called Dinosaur World. Maybe you've driven by it on the interstate. Now, if you drive by that, you're like, so what, like big, big dinosaur, like paper mache things. But I know when I take Shepard there, he's going to be like, oh, wow. And they're not moving or anything, but it's like the, the immensity of them, the massive size of them, in his mind is going to be this impossible experience where he's seeing dinosaurs, maybe even real ones in his mind, for the first time. And something happens as we grow in our life. Life has a way of chewing us up and spitting us out, doesn't it? Life has a way of breaking our heart and breaking us down, and it begins to make us so numb to that feeling that the impossible can happen in our life. It jades us to happiness and joy and looking at life with just a positive outlook of the best is yet to come. I believe that's why Jesus says, let the little children come to me because they have this openness and excitement and trust and impossibility dream inside of them. And you have to be like that if you want to enter and experience the kingdom of God. Can I encourage you to have that children's heart today? Because I know we've gone through very difficult things in, my, in our life, and I've gone through difficult things in my life, and I've shared those with you before. But let me just tell you how I was reminded of it this past week. If you are on social media or you have the app that's called Time Hop, what happens is it shows you where you were at or what you were doing years ago. Now, sometimes I'll look at some of my old Facebook statuses, and I'll be like, yo, what? Who is this person? Right? Like, if you were around when Facebook first released, it would always, like, the status, you had to use the word is. So, like, Ryan is this. And some of those things I wrote, I'm like, good God, delete, never show me again. Right? But this was one that popped up just recently that reminded me of where we were at three years ago. Now, I may look happy in that picture, but I promise you I am not. Now, I totally surrender to what God tells us to do, and that is to choose joy. We say it this way, choices lead, feelings follow. But I got to tell you, when this moment happened and these videos that I'm recording in the front of my house, this was, this, this was COVID weekend when the world shut down. And we got the call from our high school saying, uh, Hillsborough High School saying, hey, you can't meet and we don't know when you can meet again. And sports things were stopping and social things were stopping. 
And I got online on a little selfie video. I was like, hey, church, guess what? We're going to be meeting at home, church online. It's going to be great. And in my mind, I'm like, what are we going to do? Because we were six months old as a church. You ever told a six-month-old to get a job? You ever told a six-month-old, hey, you're going to have a lot of stress to manage this thing that you thought was just going to be new and exciting? We had no staff, no building. But man, God's faithfulness was true. And God did the impossible. He helped this six-month-old little, not even toddler of a church, make it through one of the hardest things we'll ever face. And it was in those moments that, hey, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to give you an update. And we did at that time. Our favorite phrase, I think I even used it in this video, two weeks to slow the spread, everybody. We'll see you in a few weeks. Be back together by Easter time. And we smiled like this for another week, another week, another month, two months, three months, four months. And it was hard. It was difficult. But I got to tell you, every single morning, Adrian and I woke up and said, hey, if God called us to this, he'll see us through it. So we're going to keep going. Why would we give up when things are difficult? Because if we can get through this, we can get through anything. And I remember around August time, it came to where we had an opportunity at our wedding venue, maybe you were there, that we were able to start meeting again. And I got to be honest, we got some hate for it because people love to hate on things, especially during when they've just sat at home for months. Somehow those like, I'm really courageous when I type on my keyboard or on my phone. They love to hate on you. We were going to meet back in person, and yeah, we got attacked for it. How dare you meet in person and bring people together? I'm like, hey, man, I don't bow to you. I bow to Jesus, and I believe he can protect us because there is no substitute for the church, all right? There is no substitute for being in the room. We love you, church online, and you're a part of the family, but there is no substitute for what we're doing right now. Can I get a good amen if you believe that? Just check out the mental health statistics from 2020, and that's all the proof you need that we're still dealing with now. But when we, when we came back together, we came back together, and man, it was like, where is everybody when we joined up at the Rialto Theater on that Sunday in August in 2020? But there was somebody in that room in that first month that was meant to be there. And we talked about Jesus, and we proclaimed that, hey, hope has a name, and that name is Jesus, and your faith has been tested, but now it can be trusted. Come on, let's keep going. And we got to celebrate with this guy by the name of Ryan, who's in this next video, or this next picture. Baptism Sunday, our first Baptism Sunday after COVID in the beginning of 2021, celebrating new life. Come on, look at the joy that's on his face. And he came because he saw church online advertisements and saw things on Instagram and Google, just like some of you today, and came in there and his life was changed dramatically by Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus and got baptized and started to serve, started serving on our production team. And started just to do whatever it took to, to build the house of God, to help people have the same experience that he had. And then he said, a like a couple years ago, hey, I want to lead a circle and I want to provide a community of what's so built me up so powerfully. And this is a, this is a picture from his staying active circle just a couple weeks ago. All those people being encouraged and prayed for and experiencing hope because of one person's faith. Why do I tell you this? Because at any moment during that six months of 2020 where we were online, it would have been so easy to give up. It would have been easy to say, well, God, I guess this isn't you, so I'm closing shop and we're done. We never would have had that experience with Ryan Kavanaugh. And he stepped in, and, and in uncomfortableness of stepping into a new church and a new experience, gave his life to Jesus, and his faith grew. And then he said, you know what, I think I can do this. I'm afraid to speak in front of people and lead something like this, but I'm going to lead a circle. And now it's turned into one of the biggest circles that we have, that people are finding community and relationships that are changing their life.
What if, I, what if Adrian and I had given in to all that hate of like, how dare you do this? Maybe this wouldn't have happened. I fully believe in that. I believe that there is some impossible stuff on the other side of your yes with no conditions. I believe there are some miracles on the other side of your saying, yes, God, I obey and surrender no ifs, ands, or buts, and I'm willing to see it no matter what hate comes my way, no matter what hurt comes my way, no matter what hard times come my way. God, I have faith to know that you are God and you can do the impossible. So here's where we are. We see, these, we see people just like this in the, in the gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 5, let me read this story to you. Because here's what I want for you. I want you to have the faith of the people in this story. In Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21, here's what we see. We meet up with a guy by the name of, of Jairus, Jairus, or whatever you want to call it. I'll probably say both things throughout this, but whatever. But here's, here's what we see. We see a story where a man is brokenhearted. Now, Jesus has achieved celebrity status at the time. So many people are trying to hear from him and, and hear him speak that he's got to go out into a boat and speak to the audience on the shore. And when he gets back, everyone's crowding him. And there's one man who pushes through the crowd. And here's where we pick up the story in verse 21. It'll be on the screen, or you can read it if you're in your Bible, if you brought it, or on your phone. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed him, crowding around him. And there was a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had, gotten, she had not gotten better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately, look at this, it says, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, haters coming in right here, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Don't listen to them. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the, little gir and the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Now in this story, we see two of the most famous miracles that Jesus would ever perform. We see two of the most amazing instances where we see the love of God of just how willing he is to help and heal his people. 
But it starts with what? Faith. It starts with two people saying, I cannot do this on my own. This situation is too much for me, and I need to turn to someone. I need to turn to something. And both of them had heard about this guy named Jesus, who was raising people from the dead, who was performing miracles, feeding 5,000 people, making the lame walk and the blind see. And just maybe, if I can get an audience with him and tell him what's going on, maybe, just maybe, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. Maybe he is the God of the impossible. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This comes from the message translation, and this is ultimately what I want for you today, that it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe two things, that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Can I encourage you today? God exists, and he cares enough to respond to you. He exists, and he cares enough to respond to you today. Some of us stop it. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. For so much of my life, I just settled there. Yeah, God's real. I know he's real. Church, good. But I stopped before the end. And on the other side of the end is one of the most powerful things we can realize when we give our lives to Jesus and give our lives to our Heavenly Father, that God cares enough more than I could possibly imagine to respond to those who seek him. And it's proved in Mark chapter 5. We see Jairus come up. He is a religious leader, the synagogue leader, going against everything he had heard because at this time, if you were leading in the synagogue or the temple, Jesus was not a popular guy. In fact, he was seen as the enemy. The leaders of the synagogue and the temple were who brought the charges against Jesus of blasphemy and ultimately killed him. Now, no one killed Jesus. He gave up his life as a sacrifice. But these leaders were so obtuse and not willing to see past their own pride that they sent Jesus to the cross. And Jairus realizes that, okay, that all sounds good, but my daughter's dying right now. So I need somebody. I need someone who is performing and doing the impossible. And if I can just go tell Jesus, maybe he can do it for me. Maybe I can get a little bit of that impossible in my situation. And he brings his little faith and says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Please, would you come see her? And what does Jesus do? Immediately begins to follow him home. He didn't say, well, Jairus, how long have you been leading in the synagogue? Hmm, five years? So close to 10. Sorry, I've got more people to talk to. He doesn't look at Jairus and say, oh, you know, I would go, Jairus, but the way you talked to your wife this morning, you probably don't want anyone to hear that, but I heard it, and sorry, I can't be in a home like that. Oh, Jairus, I I know you're saying that you believe I can do this, but in there I can sense a little bit of doubt and unbelief, so I'm going to go where the belief is strong. Didn't do any of that. He said, you got faith for me to do it? I'll do it. Let's go. And some of us need to realize Jesus is not looking at your mistakes, not looking at your tenure, not looking at your talents, not looking at your level of belief. He's just looking at your faith to say, here I am, broken, messed up, lost, and overwhelmed. And if you could come and do this, I believe you can. So will you come to my house? Will you come to my life and bring some of that life and healing that you've done for others? Because I need some of that in my life. You see, faith is the belief that God can, and then you begin to step into that. It's an expectancy that God wants to do what God wants to do. And it's impossible to please God without that. But put yourself in Jairus' shoes. They start walking, big old crowd. If I'm Jairus, I'm like, hey, Jesus, I just told you, my daughter's dying. I don't have time to walk at the pace of this crowd, all right? Can we get a little sprint going on? 
Because at any moment, that could be it. And you're like, Jesus never, even in this moment, Jesus never rushed. He's walking with this big crowd, lots of people. And there's this woman in the crowd. I love what it says in Mark chapter 5. She had heard about Jesus. I want you to know today, my goal for you at the end of this message is for you to stop hearing about Jesus and for you to have an experience with Jesus on your own in your personal heart and life and spirit today. And not just experience it through what I'm saying, but say, God, I want some of you on my own and grab a hold of what he's got for you. Because this woman kicks her way through the crowd. She is weak. She is sick. She's been bleeding and suffering for 12 years. That is a long time. Some of us are sick for 12 minutes, and we're like, oh, I've got to call into work. I can't do anything. 12 years. No excuse. She doesn't say, well, if God really loved me, he'd come this way. I'm not fighting through that crowd. But She said, if I can just touch his robe. And other, other scriptures say the hem of his robe, which at the hem of their robe is where they wore the seal of authority in their life. If I can just touch the authority that this son of God has on this earth, I can be healed. She fights through the crowd, weak, broken. Here's, can I just, I got to be honest with you. The world celebrates right now a lot of victimhood. And this woman could have gotten lost in that. I've been suffering from doctors. I've been suffering from all these people. So God, you got to do something for me. Rather, she realized, man, if I can just fight a little bit more, there might be victory for me. There might be my own taste of impossible on the other side of this. And I believe he can do it because he's done it for someone else. And if I can test my faith through this challenge, I can trust it forever. So she touches his robe. One of the most powerful things this entire story. Can I, can I speak it to you today? Jesus turned around. Meaning that he, had one, he was going one way and he felt the tug of someone who was hurting and broken and needed his touch and he turned around. Because what had happened? She had touched the robe, and immediately she was healed, and she began to sneak back away. Why? Because probably there was a lot of shame that she had dealt with. Probably a lot of shame of how long, because when you were sick in Bible times, in biblical culture, you were seen as someone who God did not love, God did not care about, someone who had messed up so much in their life that God was punishing them with that sickness. And to be healed, would have, she'd had to acknowledge that she was sick to be healed. And so she wanted to sneak away. But Jesus cares about her so much that he does not let her sneak back into the crowd because he's got something to teach her and to teach the crowd and to teach Jairus in this moment. Turns around. Who touched me? And Peter, like Peter does, Jesus, come on, man. Hundreds of people around you, dude. Everybody, people are touching me right now. I can't get them away, all right? They're touching on me. They're all over me, coughing on me. Like, come on, everyone's touching you, okay? Let's go. Probably Jairus is like, hey, uh, I don't have time for you to worry about who's touching you. Daughter's dying. Kind of important. Let's go. Jesus doesn't care. He is not rushed by anyone. And he turns around and finds this woman. Actually, the scripture tells us that she steps forward. That is my challenge for you today. It's to simply step forward out of the crowd and say, hey, Jesus, here I am. Can't do it without you. I need you. I need you. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith, now go in peace. See, he had to have this moment with her. He had to have this moment with her where she realized it wasn't just about healing, because here's the thing. What I'm telling you is not just about having your problems solved. 
It's about being with someone forever who may or may not solve your problems, but will be the person that sticks closer than a friend or a brother who will be there through thick and thin, who conquered sin and death and the grave for you so that even when things don't go the way you thought, you still know that he's there. You still know that he's with you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Then he keeps going, and he gets to Jairus' house like, she's dead, too late. Too late does not exist in God's vocabulary in this life. And he walks in, and people are laughing, and they're wailing, they're weeping. Well, they're wailing and weep. Isn't it amazing that we can see the heart of people? They're wailing, and they're weeping, and then Jesus says she's only sleeping, and then immediately they're like, ha, 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 ha. oh, Jesus. She's dead. And he, this is, again, you have some voices in your life that are telling you it's too late, that are telling you God could never do that for you, that are telling you that this is not for you, it's for everybody else. And Jesus says, don't listen to them. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Leave them outside. You come in with me, and I'll show you what's really going on. And he looks at his daughter and says, get up. Let's go. Immediately. Immediately the woman was healed, and immediately that daughter gets up. She begins to walk around just to prove that, hey, Jesus is the authority that he says he is. And what's beautiful about this story is that it just took a little bit of faith, but it took an action step. What was the first step? Number one, to get out of their own misery and complaining and hurt and victimhood and brokenness and step in to faith saying that this God can do the impossible. Jairus had to walk all the way there to say, hey, I need you in my daughter's life. That woman had to fight through the crowd to say, I cannot do this on my own. People have hurt me and I'm suffering and I need you right now. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. If you go first, God always helps If we start, God will help us. As we begin to finish up today and power through these final things, I want you to know God will help you. And we're going to do something special at the end of service today. I'm going to give you a chance to start wherever you're at today. Because here's what faith is. I I was reading this today from one of my favorite theologians, which a theologian is someone who studies God. He says this, the existence of faith does not depend on physical circumstances changing or emotional needs being met, but on a revelation who God is, but a revelation of the Holy Spirit to our hearts and minds of what? Of who God is, and that he has more than enough to enable us to fulfill his plan for our lives. I do not want to denigrate it down to emotions and circumstances. I want to display to you the fact that it's all about who you say God is and who Jesus is in your life. So here's step one. I got three steps of faith for you today, all right? We're going to power through these real quick. Number one is to start with God, not us. In a world where we look to everyone for advice and wisdom and different messages and different cultural relevancies and different things people are so sure of, I want you to know that they are not God. There is one God. There is one Jesus. There is one Holy Spirit. He's revealed in that thing called his word, and you got to start there, not with anything else. Some of us, again, are like that woman where we're starting with doctor after doctor or expert after expert or person who's passionate about something over and over and over again, and it may help for a moment, but when we get to the end of it, we've just suffered even more than we were before, and it's the same hurt, the same cycle over and over and over again, and it's because we have to make the decision to say, you know what? I'm just going to start with God. You can stay outside. I'm going in to see how my daughter is doing with Jesus, not you. What do they say? There's no use bothering the teacher now. No, always bother God. Always bother Jesus because he's always welcoming you with open arms and he, that faith that he knows that is inside of you can totally bring the miraculous into your life. Number two is to determine to obey no matter what. 
This is where the, uh, step one is powerful, simple, honestly easy compared to step two. Because you got to determine to obey no matter what. What does it say in Psalm 128? How joyful are those who fear the Lord. Let me just tell you, remember the thing I said in the beginning, the Christian atheist thing. We can either, you can just believe in Jesus and not change anything about the way you live, but you're not going to step into the faith that can do the impossible. You got to determine to obey no matter what. Because what does obedience do? Well, as we be, I got a quick less, little object lesson for you. Got a little balloon here. Now, this balloon's got a smiley face on it, but you can't see it because I have not actually done what you have to do to a balloon. It says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and all who follow his ways. The balloon is very comfortable right now, right? It's just sitting there. It's hanging out. It's just laying down, resting and relaxing. Seems good. Nothing too inconvenient. But for it to be what it was created and designed to be, you have to do this to it. See? And then he's happy now. But the thing is, he's not as comfortable as he was because now he's a little stretched, a little tight, a little stretched, a little less uncomfortable. And I'm sure at some point, he desperately wants to just and go back to this way. Shepard loves that sound every time we do it at home with a balloon. But I'm telling you that you, we want our life to be lived this way, but God's like, hey, I got some fresh wind and some fresh faith I want to blow into you today, and it's going to cause you to have to be a little bit stretched. One of the biggest things I see in people that want to be used by God is, I want to be used by God. And then a couple months later, like, I just feel so used. <laughs> yeah, because that's what life's about, man. The lady had to fight through the crowd, and it was hard, but there was a miracle on the other side. But the thing is, is that Caleb, come up here real quick. Will you blow up this balloon for me? Caleb is our, is our married group circle leader. He does a killer job. So he's going to blow that up with his own power, own strength, and he's going to tie it off. I'm going to show you what I mean. Because without obedience, we constantly stay in our own control. Because my fear is that some of us, we walk in on a Sunday morning in control, and we leave in control. And we never release and relinquish control to God, saying, God, whatever you are, whatever you have for me, that's what I want no matter what. Because if we continue to fight obeying God and we continue to fight not trusting in Him, what's going to happen is, yes, we're going to be filled up, we're going to be stretched, but at all times, you're going to have to constantly be like, yes, God, you're good. Oh, no, life's hard again. Oh, God, I love you so much. Oh, man, I'm feeling it today. Oh, yes, God, I know you have faith in the Oh, man, but that person said something mean to me. You're constantly having to bop yourself up and keep yourself elevated, and it will never work. This is not the way this was designed to be anyway. This is not the way it was designed to live. It may be fun for a minute, but eventually you're going to get tired. And this is the way that we're living our life without the obedience of God. Because today, you can open yourself up, you can release control, and then Caleb, now fill it up with the breath of God and the obedience of God and all of that. And we begin to live a different way. We begin to live filled up without something that was not an, under our own power. We, believe we begin to live filled up with something that else that really does make us elevate and lift our eyes to the heavens and see who we're really created to be. Same joy is there, but now it's powered by something that I can only get from outside myself. Now it's powered by something that I can only get from the Word of God and the voice of Jesus and surrender and obedience to Him, to the daily Holy Spirit in my life. And that is when it truly begins to make a difference. That is when truly the impossible and miraculous begins to happen. So I'm going to tell you today, determine to obey no matter what. Can I get a good amen if you believe that today? Because then you get to walk around, everyone's like, hey, what's that balloon for? Man, it's just the faith I have in Jesus today. 
And I want you, I want you, you want it? I got more. You want it? That tank's full. You want some more? And we get to walk around and smile on our face. We get to walk around people saying, what's different about you? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, I'm trusting him. I'm trusting what he's doing in my life. And as you write this third one down, I'm going to tie this off so it doesn't go to the ceiling. <laughs> but the third one is this. Now, what do you do? Thanks, Caleb. You just leave the results to God. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. God does. But you just got to leave the results to him. And here's what I want you to do today. Lamentations 3:40 and 41 says, instead, let us test and examine our ways. Can I encourage you, just like Jairus and the woman did, examine your life. How's it going? If something detrimental as your daughter dying, what, what would your response be? Would you be so destroyed or would you go to Jesus? God, do something. If you're suffering and experiencing difficult things, where do you turn? Do you turn to other people? Do you turn to yourself? Do you turn to comfort or do you turn and run and fight through the crowd to Jesus? Because now it's just time to turn back to him. And this may be new for you, it may be uncomfortable, but as we close, we're gonna sing that song, Same God Again. And as I told you, there's three steps. If, if the statements are too much for you, let me give them to you in three words. Step one is to repent. What does repent mean? It's not a spiritual word. It's a real practical life word of saying, you know what? God, I've let this sin get in the way. Get in the way. I've let this addiction or this sin or this mistake get in the way. And I just want to repent. Maybe it's the way I've been talking or what I've been listening to or how much time I spend doing this or how much time I spend away from my family or my fear that I've been giving into. I just want to repent of that. Step two is then after you repent, you've got to release and let go and let God. Because we repent of things, but we're still holding around carrying it all the time. Paul tells us that when you do that, it's like you were, you were to carry a dead body around with you. And people are like, what is that? And like, oh, it's my dead old self. Well, why are you still carrying it around if it's dead? We treat sin and our mistakes and our fears and our past that way. And I would say, I want you to release it today and let it go. And step three is just to return back to God. They all align. Start with God. Repent today. Number two, release it. Just obey God. Trust Him. Number three, return back to Him and leave the results up to God. What I want to do today is I'm going to pray for you in a moment. But as we sing this song and close, I'm going to ask you to do something that may be uncomfortable for you. You may be saying, oh, nope, well, maybe it's what God wants you to do. And this changed my life. Can I just encourage you? When my life moved from just realizing that God exists to knowing that he cares, it's when I took advantage of what is called the altar of God. And it's where when we would have worship, I wouldn't just sit in my seat, I'd come to the altar. And I'd say, God, I need to just step out of what I'm sitting in. I need to step out of the people around me and I just need a moment with you. I need to fight through the crowd. And honestly, maybe you need to come down here and just get on your knees and repent of some things. Maybe you need to come down here and bow at the altar and release some things that you've been holding on to. Maybe you just physically need to let them down. Lay them down. Maybe you've just been living so comfortably, you're living so complacent that you forgot that there's a God who can do the impossible. And when things like COVID show up, you don't go hide in your house. You say, you know what, what does God have me to do? If I need to get out and tell some people some good news and bring some hope, no matter the hate, I'm going to do it because that's what God's called me to do. I believe in a God who can do the impossible. I have faith. And that influences everything else. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. 
A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.